Hello and welcome to Youth on Subjects of the World. Uh, I guess we could call it season four, um, but we really, <laughs> I think like the last season had like uh, f- five episodes in it. The last season had five episodes in it because it was, um, uh, I guess we just stopped making them at the time. So we kind of just have spouts of productivity interrupted by incompetence. So this is spout of productivity number four, and we're going to try to, we're going to try to stay upbeat during that. So why don't you, Dylan, why don't you tell um, everyone what we want to make this season about and then talk about what we want to make this episode about. Mm-hmm. So for this season, um, you know, we had discussed about, we've been discussing it the past month or so. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we were thinking about maybe in the past, we would have really just focused on, you know, what's going on in the world, as our name says, talking about the subjects of the world. But I think for this season, we just didn't really have much of an interest talking about COVID because of just how many other people have been talking about. And it was just a show that felt like it was going to be very repetitive. And so we felt the way that we could be the most helpful for the world this season is really trying to get the message more out about alternative education, because that's what me and Neil are really passionate about. Um, So... We thought with this big, you know, gap in the world of education with people being so upset with how the public school system is being run now and people starting to be open to alternatives, you know, everybody's open to alternatives now. And we thought, you know, we could be there to fill the void and maybe offer a little bit of guidance or help to any parent or child or student that's in need and wanting to find, you know, other alternative ways to educate themselves. Um, and so we thought for this season, you know, it could be more of a question and answer style thing where people post questions to us and we just try and answer them the best we can and hopefully make people's transitions to alternative styles of education as easy as possible. Um, but wanna... yeah, Neil. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so I guess we'll go into, uh, Dylan, you can go into, uh, what this episode is about. Um, but first, I just want to say how really quick this episode is actually not live. Um, so if you're watching this live currently, um, this episode is not being recorded live. It's actually being re- recorded exactly one week in advance. So um, this episode will air on, I believe, the 21st. It's the 14th right now. So though, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, all the other episodes are live. If you're obviously you're listening to this on iTunes or anything of the other platform like that, then obviously this is already pre-recorded, regardless of which episode you're watching. Uh, but yeah, so but any other any other episode you watch, you can actually uh, post in the live chat, and we might be able to answer your question or talk to you. That'd be really really uh, fun. We've actually talked about maybe in the future having people call into the show, which would I, I think that'd be really cool, really interesting. Mm-hmm. So Dylan, why don't you talk about what this uh, what this, this episode is about and what this episode is called? So. This episode is really going to be, um, it sounds kind of weird saying it for me, but it's going to be an interview of me and Neil's going to be interviewing me just so that we can kind of, you know, share more about us. And we want this season to be more than just our past viewers. You know, we really want to expand it to people who don't know much about alternative education. Um, Sorry, my phone, my (laughs) camera fell. And uh, start over now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so that's really going to be the focal point of this episode. Um, and then from there, yeah, the, the rest of the season will be more like question and answer style live streams. 
Right. So I think there we go. Uh, I think that so uh, the so yeah. Let's get into the topic of today. I'm going to be interviewing Dylan. Why am I interviewing Dylan? Well, the title of the school is inter. The title, sorry, the title of the of the uh, show today is interviewing a student of a uh, interviewing a student of a school interviewing. Oh my God, interviewing a, a graduate of a school with no grades. So what does that what does that mean? What does that mean? A school with no grades. So uh, what, what, what are people's, I don't know what people's first thoughts would be when you, they hear a school with no grades. So what, is it, what does that mean? Does that mean that there are just, it's just every, everybody's age? Does it mean that there are classes? What curriculum is there at the school? Why don't you answer that question? Um, so really a school with no grades, I guess, is, is very much referring to Sudbury, the South Jersey Sudbury School. That's the school Neil and I go to, or I don't go to anymore. I graduated from it. Um, but Neil still is enrolled and is going and was just there today. Um, but a yes. school with no grades really means, I, I guess I described it, uh, you know, the other day um, to somebody that in a lot of ways, like the Sudbury experience can be shortened down to just children trying to find their own passion for learning. And, you know, we kind of believe that sometimes grades, like divvying up the kids into different almost categories basically or you know even testing grades in that sense sometimes testing or grades or teachers can just get in the way of education as silly as that sounds um but that's just to put it plainly is that we think that teachers and grades and a lot of the a lot of the times can get in the way of trying to find your own passion for learning so okay so when you say uh, that grades uh, can, but so, okay, so school with no grades, that makes, so you're, you're saying that there are no grades. So what does that mean? That there's age mixing in classes that are, you talked about teachers, how teachers, uh, you think that perhaps that this, the traditional structure of teaching can get in the way of uh, how we, you know, how we learn and, and how we, and, you know, learning in general, if there's traditional classroom structure. So how do classes work at the, at, at this free school? Are there classes at the school? How does it work? Um, well, really, there is no class structure at all. Um, so what can, so like, is, does that mean that when you say class structure, are there just, can I just go there and sit down and do nothing all day? Yeah, absolutely. Really? And some of the times that can be the most powerful thing for a young person. That's just having the freedom of choice to do what you want to do every single day. So what stops you know, me from doing that? Like what stops, like, let's say I'm a parent, I sent my kid there. What stops my kid from sitting down and doing nothing all day? Absolutely nothing. Okay. So why wouldn't they? Well, that would be unbelievably boring. Right. <laughs> if you just wanted to sit around and do nothing all day, especially when there's all the other children are out doing something fun, either going on walks or exploring outside or making forts, whatever that might be. It's almost impossible to just be sitting around doing nothing all day. Right. So what does a, what does, so what do, what did you do? I'll say first before I get to the other students. What did you do every day? Well, you know, I always love, I still love, um, you know, playing music, listening to music. That's one of my biggest passions right now. Um, so definitely this past year, it was a lot of, you know, trying to learn the piano, play the guitar. Um, that's what last year was really focused on. Definitely going on a lot of walks. Last year was also a big thing, you know, just to take some own time to learn how to meditate. And just when I would go on my walks, just trying to sit down and breathe for a few minutes every now and then. 
And yeah, I, th- I would say that was a big part of last year. So how was that? So how is what happened last year? Or how, let's forget last year. What have you learned in your time at Sudbury that not only is going to, so two things, what have you learned in your time at Sudbury that's, that's not only going to help you in the real world, but what, but what have you learned at Sudbury that you couldn't have learned in public school? And uh, what have you, and is, do you think there's anything you missed out on in public school learning? So let's start with, the, with uh, one of the questions I asked. Let's start with um, what have you learned throughout your time at Sudbury that's going to help you in the real world? You know, I think the biggest thing that I've gotten out of my experience at Sudbury is just the ability to be independent and not having, you know, being, being very, very able to ask for help when I need it, but at the same time, you know, not, not needing help. If just being, being able to be independent, wake up in the morning, know what I want to do, and then have the knowledge and the confidence to go and execute what I want to do on that day. So you don't think you could, did you go to public school? I did go to public school up until sixth grade. Do you, did you think that, so if you continued in public school, do you think you wouldn't have had, like you're saying, the confidence to get up every day and the ability to set goals for that day? Do you think you wouldn't have had that if you stayed in public school? Now, yeah, again, I'll, I'll just say this, um, but the precursor that, you know, this only applies for me. I don't, Right. I do. I do want to get into other students there and how they're in everything else later. But right now, this is just you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to talk just, just. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, just general disclaimer, general disclaimer, Dylan is answering for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think in public school, I would have had the, ad, that ability. I mean, at least for me personally, I mean, it's very comforting to just have a teacher tell you, okay, you're going to work on this paper. Now we're going to read this book now. You know, for you to progress as, as a student, we'll tell you everything you need to do. You just need to listen to us. And maybe sometimes when people first hear about Sudbury, they think of it as an easy school to go to, you know, you get to do whatever you want to do all day. Um, Which it does. It's awesome. It's awesome that you get to do that. But in other ways, I mean, it's difficult because you have to progress your own learning for yourself. There's not a single person there telling you, okay, now you have to learn how to read. Now you have to learn how to write. What are you interested in? Let's work on that. Everything has to come from you and you alone. So how does this, so, okay, so really quick, what, so uh, summing up my, those last two questions I asked, what did you, what, so what, so let's look at a public school you versus um, like a public school you, like let's say you graduate public school versus a graduate of the Sudbury school. What do you think, like, what kind of, like, I know it's hard to look back and say what kind of person you'd be, but do you think you'd be better equipped? Do you think, you think there's any way you'd be better equipped for the world if you continue, if you continue to go to public school and graduate from public school? Because they teach you a lot in there, right? They teach you different math. They teach you, uh, they you definitely go higher level in mathematics. I'm sure they go higher level in mathematics than you ended up going. They'll go higher level in English and in writing. Do you think that you missed out in a way, in any way? I mean, as far as Sudbury, I mean, I, I got all the lessons. I learned everything that I needed to learn for what I want to do and what I'm interested in. And if what I had you, it. So, so what do you mean by what I want to do? So you only learn in Sudbury what you are interested in. Right? No, what, what I needed to learn for the things that I'm interested in or the passions that I wanted to pursue. I learned what I needed to learn. And if I need to learn anything else, then I'll just go ahead and learn it. It's not, it won't be that big of a deal. It won't be as intimidating, I think as if I went to public school. So you don't think you'd be able to 
set your goals and learn the same way you do now if you were in public school? You don't think no, you would abs- teach yourself? No, abs- absolutely not. Not nearly as well. So you think, so you think that you're, so that's interesting. You think your ability to learn was hindered by public school? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and not learn as in learn other things, but learn by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Because you never get the opportunity to just learn and sit by yourself or be interested in something and then have the time to go out and explore it to a really deep depth. Right. So let's, let's, uh, so let's move on to, before I talk about what you want to do after Sudbury, let's move on to what uh, I know you were saying a typical day in Sudbury, I guess if you can't do anything, it looks like there's no typical day, right? So what, so what would, so what does graduation look like? How do you graduate from a school with no grades? Well, my graduation process, graduation is taken incredibly seriously at, um, at Sudbury because just how it's taken seriously at every other place. Um, so for Sudbury, I had to write a thesis that was about four pages long. So not a particularly long thesis because I had to give it as a speech. Um, but I worked on it for an entire year and, you know, I, I ended up being incredibly proud of it. Um, it just really had to, it had to talk about how I found Sudbury, what I did at Sudbury and what I want to do afterwards. And those were the three questions it had to answer. And obviously you could be incredibly broad at answering those three questions. That actually sounds like a really good, that actually sounds like a really good opportunity to jump on to like, to move on this discussion. So what, so what is the first of those questions? Um, it was how I found Sudbury was the How'd first you find question. Sudbury? So the way I found Sudbury, um, and why don't you tell us also a little bit about your time before Sudbury and what drove you to it, not just how you found it. Yeah. So I was actually, I was in, um, I went to public school up until uh, spring break of sixth grade. And uh, so at the end of spring break, I just could not take going to public school anymore. And I basically like locked myself in the car was like, okay, I'm not going to school. I'm not going. Wow. And my parents said, so what, what caused that? adverse that 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 absolute just like did you always have were you always like that at school or was there something I that mean, caused that i mean in at an elementary school um I, it was it was doable you know it wasn't i didn't love it obviously but it was bearable it was definitely uh-huh. bearable but then once i got to middle school i went to a new school and and all of my friends had gone from elementary school had gone to a different school and obviously, I mean, a few of, a few of my friends from elementary school had gone to my middle school, but not a ton. And, and that added some pressure. And I just hated the teachers. I hated the principal. And I had a lot of difficulties just communicating with them. So what you would know, I tried on many. I tried some... on many. I tried on many occasions, you know, just to try and and communicate with them and tell them why I was upset, and they just wouldn't care. They wouldn't listen. And then after a while, it just built up of lots of panic attacks, and it just was unbearable towards the end. So let's say you could, let's say I'm your teacher. What would you try to tell? Let's, let's say telling them worked. What would you tell me? You know, I would have said, in uh, sixth grade, the thing that really upset me was that maybe there were a few kids that were quote unquote, uh, bad kids by, by <laughs> public school standards. And okay. just from them, they made everybody else like kind of suffer. So let's say they would cause a racket in the hallways and nobody could talk in the hallways. Like I remember for a whole week, you just could not wow. talk at school. You couldn't talk in the lunchroom. You couldn't talk in the hallways. Obviously, you couldn't talk in the classroom. I find that interesting and funny because it's, it's like one of the things that people tell me when I talk about unschooling, homeschooling, or Sudbury, mainly unschooling and homeschooling, 
is that, oh, you get this incredible social aspect in school. In fact, I still get that when I talk about Sudbury, which is very interesting because, of course, there's a social aspect to Sudbury. It's a school. But people will tell me and they'll say, oh, there's a huge social aspect to school. But, I mean, as far as I can tell, people have to like it's it's it seems like you have to jump through hoops to talk to people and it, and at that at that school it seems like they were just actively making it impossible to socialize yeah, yeah it was just very difficult to socialize with anybody and you know i just wasn't really interested in being friends with a lot of the people honestly there was only a few people but then after that i just knew it was it was time to not go to school anymore and and my parents had always been open you know, like my dad had always wanted to homeschool us you know just but not really quick. Nothing realistic. You talked about you talked about getting panic attacks. Do you know? Can you describe why would you? Do you know why you would get them? I mean, normally it would happen on the bus to school, so well, I'd assume that that's why. <laughs> but I mean, that just you know, sounds just, that sounds like a really terrible look at the public school system. You get panic. A child getting panic. How old were you? Twelve. Jesus 11. Christ. Yes, it was horrible. <laughs> that's terrible. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a couple of days where I got to school, like I would make it all the way to the bus. I'd get to school and I tell the lady, like, I tell the lady at the bus stop, I'm just sick. I got to go. I got to go home. And I would be like, do I have to sign in? Like, well, you didn't technically make it to school today, so you don't have to. But yeah, I mean, I probably, you know, I would just skip a lot of days of school and my parents are fine because, you know, they, they understood my problems and, and like my dad would always pick me up early from school if he was driving by and let's say school get got out at two thirty or something and he could pick me up at two. I mean, that was like the greatest gift on earth <laughs> here on the last year. Dylan Marcus for early dismissal. Like, yes. yes. <laughs> towards and, and of course the teachers hated it. Really? Because, you know, they would always, I guess it would just be some amount of extra work or something. Would they kind of like, would they just, would they like, well, they they would that you you could just tell her did they call your parent did they call did you, were your parents called about like because it sounds like you missed quite a bit of school were your parents called and no well they knew I don't what? think they ever I mean my parents would be the ones that would call well, oh my god that. my sorry my headphones just my headphones aren't they just stopped working I can't hear you you can't sorry, hear me why don't you why don't you continue I can you hear me yes I can okay uh, you're very you're just I can hear you you're just very very faint so I'm just gonna my yeah, I'm going to turn off my, my, uh, my, vi- my video. So just continue talking. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. So it just, after a while, um, you know, the, the panic attacks building up, it was just difficult to wake up in the morning and, and my bus stop was always the first and the last. So it felt like this eternal cycle for whatever, seven months of waking up at 5.30 in the morning, getting my lunch ready, being on the bus by 6.30 or 7, and then being home, especially in the winter. You know, you'd wake up, it'd be dark, you'd go into school, and then when you'd be driving home on the bus, I'd be the last stop again, and it would be dark when I got home, and then I would just do my homework and go to sleep. So there was no time for me to do literally anything I wanted at all. Have any, even just time to think, you know, there was just nothing. I had nothing. And that was just not a way that I wanted to, to proceed in my life. Right. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to, so uh, it won't, there won't be any problems for you, for you guys viewing it live or recorded. I'm just going to pause 
are recording since this is being pre-recorded. That is a luxury, and I'm going to fix my headphone problem. But we'll be literally right back now. Okay, we're back. We fixed the problem. I don't really know what it was. Dylan says he thinks he fixed it. I don't know what happened. Anyways, so uh, go ahead and continue from where you were talking. What was I talking about? You were talking about, uh, well, my audio class, I don't exactly remember, but I believe you were talking about how when you were coming, when you were going back and when you were just, just, uh, yeah, yeah. General anxiety going back and forth from um, school. Yeah. So really, I mean, it just, I just had nothing to my, no time to myself. No, no time to just even think. Um, and so, yeah, like I, like I said, it just was time for me to leave. And my parents definitely saw that too. And so for a little while I did this thing called homebound tutoring where Technically, I was still in public school, um, but tutors that were paid for by the school district would come to our house um, and they would, you know, they would tutor me, I guess. <laughs> uh, and that was really, that was fine for a little while. You know, it was nice having one-on-one conversations with people, with the teachers. Um, but after a while, you know, it was, just the, it was just the same thing. It was just waking up every day. And it was a lot easier because it would only be like two hours per week of each subject, but it seems like nothing. Wow. And it felt like nothing for a little while. Um, but then after a while, it just got very tired. It got boring and it felt like the same things over and over and over again, just in a different environment and without any classmates to talk about it with. Um, so then, Yeah. So why, so why do you think it sounds like it was better? It sounds like it was better though. Was it better because you weren't physically in school or was it better because it was shorter? Like what was the problem with school? I mean, I think the main problem with school was, was just having to deal with the teachers and the environment. That was the main thing that I hated, you know, but also I just, I don't what know about if the I, environment? was it the pressure? I don't know if it was the pressure. I mean, I always did fine on my grades and my parents never cared how I, how I did on my test or anything like that. Um, but I don't know. It was just having to, the, the main thing I hated was just having to wake up every single day and go in at the same time. And on like, like, and it's different, it's different from a job in the sense that I had absolutely no choice of going or not going, you know, like at least with a job, you kind of get to pick what you want to do every day. You know, if, even if you hate it, you still have the option to leave or, or Don't stay. they have the same thing with Sudbury though? Didn't you have to get up at the same, at the same time for Sudbury? Yeah, exactly. I guess that's a good point. Um, it was just that I, I got to choose what I wanted to do every day. And you day wanted to go to there. School. Yeah, I wanted to go there. You know, that was the biggest thing was that I was excited to go to Sudbury. But yeah, I would guess, I guess the biggest thing I never really thought about it, the difference between public school and, and Sudbury for me really was just the restrictiveness of it all. Not, I mean, even just not having the right uh, being able to go to the bathroom when I wanted to go, you know, like I, I remember. Yeah, that's humiliating. I, think. I remember like asking to go to the bathroom, and the lady just said no, and I just didn't even register her saying no at all because I just assumed she would say, "Okay, you can go to the bathroom." So I got up and got a bathroom pass, and she said, "Okay, you didn't listen. Now you have detention." And, what the? F- and Wait, said, what? And then and then I just never. I mean, I just ended up not going to detention because I just, I, I don't know. I didn't think they would really care. And um, they didn't end up caring at all. I don't think they noticed. Um, but yeah, it was just, just crazy stuff like that. It's demoralizing to not have the ability to 
go use the bathroom when you want to, or just stand up when you want to. Sounds like needless authoritarianism. Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting because even if you want to criticize the classroom environment, that's fine. You can criticize the classroom environment, and I do criticize the classroom environment, and I believe you do too. However, I think college is proof that you can have the classroom environment without authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. You just walk in when you want and go to the bathroom when you want. It's, it's, it's about just having respect between, between two people. And that's what I love yeah. about Sudbury too, is that, you know, there, there's real mutual respect between pretty much everybody at the school. And unlike public school where there's expected respect between the student and the teacher, but it's not reciprocated. It's almost never reciprocated, or at least I never felt that it was reciprocated um, from the, from the teacher to the students, you know, respect was such a huge thing in in public school between the students and from the students to the teachers but god i never felt like the teachers ever respected me or my or my fellow peers right so i guess it sounds like you so uh, so why don't we go into so i believe we started the start of this line of talking on the three questions in the thesis that was the first one how you found Sudbury or well you didn't actually finish how you found Sudbury actually I think right oh yeah so so once I I I did a like a homeschooling unschooling mixture I hadn't I just knew I just didn't want to do the home mentor anymore so we stopped that and for about a year I guess I kind of just taught myself and I definitely had a more of a structured curriculum than like than an unschooler would you know like my parents wanted me to do Khan Academy and they were still in that kind of mindset do Khan Academy do some kind of structured course on English and I use this website well it's not a website it's a YouTube channel called Crash Course that's made by the Green Brothers and that's a phenomenal um, tool for education for yourself or for others you know they have lots of um, book club style things where over the course of time, they'll just talk about a book and maybe read with them or they just have it on every single subject. And I would mainly use that and Khan Academy um, and just anything I was interested in. That was basically my education for about a year. And after that, it just got kind of boring, you know, not having any any friends. I kind of lost contact with a lot of my friends and the people I was mainly talking to were my brothers or my parents or just like my elderly neighbors. Um, and so after that, I remember being in like a the parking lot of an REI and thinking, oh, I I want to learn more about alternative education. I, I don't even know what sparked that thought at all, but it was just something that came to my mind. How old were you? Uh, I guess I would have been 11 or 12 at the time. Um, and then I just got home that night and I looked up just, you know, what kind of options are there for alternative education? And uh, I read some article that was that that said um, seven schools if homework's not for you. And I was like, oh, well, that's what I'm kind of looking for. <laughs> and so I read the whole list and it was like Montessori schools and Waldorf schools. And I'd kind of known about those two because my my aunt had worked at a Waldorf school. And it talked about a few other ones. And but the only one that I that kind of stood out to me. Because Montessori just seemed like a different kind of public school where you got to choose what you wanted to do, but you know it, there were still teachers and classrooms and stuff like that. So then I, when I found uh, Sudbury School, I was like, I was like, oh well, that sounds like exactly what I want to do. You know, that sounds the exact kind of education that I want. 
And then I remember we, I looked up and, and my parents looked up too. Um, just anywhere there, were there any Sudbury schools nearby? And it said South Jersey Sudbury school opening this year. And we were like, Whoa, that's crazy. You know, like this rare thing, there's only maybe 30 of them in the country. And there's one opening up 25 minutes away from us this year. And, uh, we looked where it was going to be held and it was at a place called Camp Akinikin, which is a place like my family was very familiar with because they had run a, uh, a charity kind of thing that they'd been doing for a long time for like a local private school where they would well, send. Camp Akinikin is a, is a YMCA camp that's very, very well known in the area where we live. Yeah, it is. A, a like lot everyone of, knows it. If you, if you, when I tell people I go to school in Camp Akinikin, either they went to camp there or their kids went to camp there. Right. You know, it's a, it is it is very very well known, um, and but we had been going there every single year, not not for camp but for this charity event that my parents used to kind of hold, or they still do I guess, um, and so it was perfect. We were like, okay, let's go see, and we went to one open house I think at a library, and just you know meeting meeting their, their staff members and uh, you know they were just talking about how they were passionate about the school. And it just made me more passionate about the school. And I remember staying up that night and just reading more and more and more about Sudbury schools and, you know, just getting myself more and more and more excited. And, you know, eventually just worked out that I would get to go. And yeah, then uh, we just, on September 4th, we had our first day open. And then I, we started going from there. Neil was there as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm asking the questions as if I don't really know what he's talking about, but I probably heard all of this a hundred thousand times. Because, <laughs> it feels because, very strange. you asking me these questions. Because I know it, it feels strange because I I'm, I'm just trying to play, I'm pl- basically to everyone watching. I'm playing, you know, I'm obviously playing the role of an interviewer. Um, but not only has, uh, have I, have I heard Dylan answer these questions when we go to open houses for Sudbury and advertise it, or we like, we've given a talk before, or we've, or we've talked to people about it, or we've done it on this show before, actually. It's just done all, you know, this is all done in one chunk, so it's going to be different. But, um, and I, I also even repeat his stories, too, uh, <laughs> when I'm talking about other Sudbury students, like, oh, this Sudbury student did this. So it's, it's very weird, but yeah. <laughs> but anyways, moving on. So, okay, so that is, so that's how you found Sudbury, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I think the second question is what? What did you learn in Sudbury? Yeah. So I guess just my time at Sudbury, I mean, it's just so much time, <laughs> you know, it was just five, how much time did you spend at Sudbury? Five years. It was five whole years. Um, so from eighth grade to 12th grade. Wow. When I went. Um, and no, so that's a lot of time to, to do a lot of things. So right. I don't know if I'll be able to say everything I did, but it was funny actually for my graduation, my dad made a whole, it was kind of like a, a, a resume. It was a transcript. Transcripts. That's what he called it. And, you know, it just had a huge list of everything I had done. And I just totally forgot about all the hobbies I'd had and, you know, still have. I mean, even now, I, I don't know. I probably actively have four or five hobbies. So, like, right now, I've been really interested in bike packing. you know, like a, a mixture between long distance cycling and camping. And I'm getting to go on my, I'm getting ready to go on my first long distance cycling tour actually um, on Wednesday and today's we're filming this on, on a Monday uh, the 14th and I'll be going on the 16th. So that's really, really exciting. Uh, you know, I, I learned how to play the guitar while at Sudbury. That was just something I, 
I don't remember how I got interested in that. I think I had been, I started out playing the banjo. I don't know why. I think I was into like hillbilly. It was like, I was just like in the hillbilly aesthetic. And for Christmas, I had asked for a banjo. And for about a year, I was playing the banjo and learning how to finger pick. But I wasn't, I wasn't that into it. You know, I could, I could play enough to where it would look like to other people. I knew how to play the banjo but I didn't really know how to play the banjo. <laughs> and uh, then my cousin had been into the guitar and she'd been playing a lot and I would pick up her guitar and, you know, like you could translate a few things from banjo to the guitar, like the finger picking. Um, so then from there, I was like, you know, maybe I could just learn a few chords. I know they always said it just, it takes six or seven chords and then you can play a ton of things. So I was like, I'm sure I could learn that. And so then I just learned the chords and then after a while, I started putting it all together. And I was like, whoa, I got these chords down pretty good. And I can play a lot of these songs. And from there, you know, just it gets easier and easier and easier to learn new songs and practice and, you know, just getting different equipment for it. And that's always fun. Um, so I th- past that, past that, though, you know, another thing, actually, one of my first days and actually my probably my biggest passion, it hasn't been so much recently because it's, a, it's very much a social activity and you can't do much social socializing at all is playing um, a card game called magic the gathering that's quite popular and i play that semi-competitively and uh, i i really enjoy going to tournaments for that and just playing every friday night at a local game store and and that's where i've met you did enjoy that until you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's been very 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 lame i've, I've missed it very 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 much and and of course, I've I've been playing with some of my friends out, yeah. out outside of the of the store, but it's definitely been very lame not having. Yeah. The, the I'm not into magic, play. and I even I even liked going. I wish I could go too. It was it was fun. I didn't even like magic that much, but it yeah, was fun I mean, to it's, go. It's very it's, it's super fun to go there, talk to people, and it's a fun game. Yeah, it's it's a very fun game, and and people can be very casual about it, and it's something you, you know you can just get better at. Um, and that was that's definitely been my biggest passion for the past four years is just playing as much magic and as learning as, uh, as much about yeah, magic. When as they I start possibly. Friday night, when they start Friday night magic again, I definitely, I definitely want to go. It's oh, fun. I'll be so excited when they start a Friday night magic again. Oh my packed. God. Anyways, it'll, it'll be, you're right. It'll be packed. It'll be packed. Everyone's going to be so stir crazy mm-hmm. anyways, but even like normie normies like me will be there too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, okay. So, Let's so you learned so you're talking about guitar, um, uh, Magic the Gathering is a card game you learned. What do you think? So, uh, what is there? Is there anything else you, particularly you want to talk about? Anything I mean, like, it could I could go on for forever. I'm sure you could about all the different things I was interested in, been interested, in, am interested in. You know, I really could go on, but I'll just I'll leave it at those three because those have been the biggest three as of, as of recently. So those are the biggest three. Yeah, biggest three things I've been interested in. Guitar and magic. What was the third one? Sorry. The bike packing. Right. Sorry. Sorry. So, um, so, and what was, so let's go on. So I, I would, I would ask you, uh, what else, what, what's your, what you, what you've learned is going to help you, what, what you're going to, what it's going to, uh, sorry, what, what you can apply that to out of Sudbury. I would, I would ask that, but I think I would, I would much rather, I'd much rather ask, just ask you, um, I think I'd just much rather ask you, uh, because I think it'll be answered with this question, what are you going to do after Sudbury, which will tell you, which will, of course, tell everyone what you were taught that is going to help you in the quote. Mm-hmm. 
real world. You know, so I mean, it kind of sucks right now um, because everything. I'm was, sure whatever you're planning on, is everything was hold. put on hold or or can't totally canceled. So that that did that did kind of suck for a little while, um, you know. But but my my plans before COVID were really I I love like I the thing I loved most about about Sudbury was really the community. Um, and I think that's the difference between unschooling and Sudbury is the community aspect, the communal aspect, um, you know, and just how, how after a while it really feels like a family event. And, uh, and so the thing I was really interested in was going to a commune. It was like a modern day style commune. And that's what I was really interested in, in doing. And, and that, you know, you could, have a done ton of different jobs. They were actually the largest hammock manufacturer in America for a long so what time. Is it, can you talk a little about how a commune works and what it is? And cause I know commune, the word commune actually has a con like the a negative connotation from like back when, you know, helter skelter and all of these things were mm-hmm. happening and, you know, in Charles Manson. So it's like, so I, I'm sure it's, it's not that. So why don't you explain yeah. what it, what a comment I know. And I actually know, cause I've talked about this with you and I've looked it up and I've, I've even emailed them cause it's actually very interesting. I know mm-hmm. they don't actually like the term commune really it, anymore because of, just because of the connotation. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. They use the term intentional community, right? Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> so why so don't you tell the, us the, how it yeah. works? So the way I can explain it, it's not so much, this one at least was not really started by, hippie like summer of love kind of people um and a lot of those kind of of communes failed you know just straight up they didn't have any way of of making money or any plan past the first the first few years of okay let's get together and let's work and make something you know they didn't have any plans um but this place was definitely different it was started by a few psychology students actually who had read a book um who had read a book written by the famous psychologist B.F. Skinner called Walden Two, And uh, it's really talks about, it describes basically this ag- totally egalitarian community and, you know, kind of like a utopian society. Um, and that was, that's really the main idea behind it is this utopian society. And these people were like, let's go find a place. Let's go live. Let's try and make this place. It doesn't exist. And so they went and started this place called the Twin Oaks Intentional Community. Um, and it's been around since the 70s. I think it's, I think it's either late 60s or early 70s. Um, and it's very systematic, systematically organized. A lot of like, in the same way that, that Sudbury is very organized and disorganized at the same time. There's lots of rules. There's lots of ways that working is set up. So at this one, you have to work a minimum of 42 hours a week. It's like and, a regular job. Yeah, just like a regular job. And if you hand in your timesheets on time, you get two hours off. So it's and, basically 40 hours. Yeah, yeah, it's like 39 and a half hours or something like that. And then after a whole year, that adds up to three weeks of vacation. And that's how you get your, your three weeks of vacation. So it sounds like the hours are the same as a job, except actually better because the average American gets two weeks of vacation. Yeah, and you can work – if you work overtime, then – they keep adding up and you get those extra hours off if that makes any sense. So, so it just sounds, so it just sounds like a job from what you're saying. So what, what, what makes it different from job? Well, it's like living in a community. So you, so you live there, you live communally. Yep. You live with other people in the same housing areas. And, um, 
you eat together and you know you don't you have, hang you out have together. To... No, you don't have to eat together, okay. but there is like a communal dining area. Um, so there's like a communal living space. Are the rooms private? Yeah, the rooms are private. Okay, so you have your own like a, almost dorm. Yeah, room. you have your own dorm. Um, so you have your own space. You can get away from other people. There's lots of cars that you can rent for like cents per mile. Um, so so do you, cents per mile. So you do you do make money? Yeah. So you you get. Uh, I think it's a. It, it, they say it, it varies from eighty dollars to a hundred dollars per month, basically a stipend. But you got to remember, even though that sounds like very little, and it is. Yeah, I mean, you can't live off that. You're you're working. You get you get vacation days. You get free housing, you get free health care, you get free food. So all your expenses are paid for. So all your cost of living is covered. All your cost of living like is literally covered, all exactly. your cost of living. And so So you said health and they actually cover your they like so all your health expenses are paid for. All your health expenses, yes. So it's so it's literally so when they say cover cost of living, they're not talking about, oh, we buy food and you have a bed to stay. They literally your health and they like, mm-hmm. it's it's a place it's it's lit, quite literally a place to live. And so you got to think like this extra hundred dollars, you can, it's really only if you need, if you want to buy a little bit of candy or go see a movie or go out for dinner every once in a while. And that's really the main purpose of it. So it's, it's, it's quite literally just, uh, it's, it's not even for food. It's, it's literally just for things that are absolute, um, just splurging basically on. Mm -hmm. But I've, you know, I'm always like, the great thing about Sudbury is it really leaves me open to being able to do whatever I want and, you know, have the courage to be able to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just thought in the meantime, you know, just have something fun, do something fun. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily need the money, just do something I enjoy, maybe learn a skill, learn how to bake, maybe learn how to fix a bike. Um, and so, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to doing this year is really just, learning well, something new because so you, you're not going to the commune or to twin it's called twin no, Oaks, right? i'm not going to the i'm not going to the commune this year um, because of uh, because COVID. of covid and they've been taking things very you know very slowly which is absolutely understandable but the people there are still living there correct they are they are still living there because yeah. it's their house if you will yeah it's their it's where they live exactly they're just not taking in new members currently mm-hmm. okay but that's been my main plan. But of course, you know, I'm always open to having new ideas and maybe going to visit other different communities that maybe have different policies as far as being open or opening up. Um, but definitely something that's communal. You know, that's one of my favorite things about Sudbury is the community aspect of it. Do you think you're, do you think you're ever going to have uh, the problem? So do you, do, can you retire in Twin Oaks? Um, I do believe that you can retire. I know that they, I remember that, when I, I actually went there for a tour, they had old age facilities there. Um, I think, I think I actually read something on the retiring thing. I think it's something like once you turn a certain age plus, you have to have been there for a certain amount of years, so you can't just like join at that age. You work only like three hours a week. Oh, really? Or like one hour a week, and that's your retirement basically, and you get the exact same benefits as everyone else. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's very cool. And I actually that heard this is a, this is a little this is a little macabre and a little bit of a tangent, but I've even seen on at Twin Oaks. I looked up on their like their videos. I think they actually even cover the cost of like a funeral too. So you can literally oh, really? you can literally um, what's the what's the saying? Cradle the casket, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. And that was that was really their idea. And again, I mean, there's no 
There's no amount of time that you have to be there. There's no money you have to so put you can up front. Leave. You can leave any time you, you want. So that's what, do you pay to be there at all? No, not at all. You just show up. You just show up. I mean, obviously there's a process to, yeah. you know, visiting and then, then voting on you, voting on letting you win. Um, but no, there's no, there's nothing cultish about it at all. I mean, you can so leave whenever you So voting on letting you win, is it democratic? It is democratic. So it, it's quite literally uh, an extension of Sudbury because Sudbury is democratic, right? Yep. Sudbury is democratic. It's got a communal aspect to it. And that's what really drew me to this whole idea of, of, uh, intentional communities the natural extension of Sudbury Mm -hmm. but they are not they're not related at all and it's not religious or anything nope not religious totally non-religious in oh so it's so it's literally it's so it's just a place to live Mm -hmm. that's cool yeah it's awesome so what about okay so those are the three questions you have to answer in your thesis um and I think so do you so do you think Sudbury has prepared so you think Sudbury's prepared you properly for your adulthood? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just excited to, to get to go on new adventures and, and explore my life. Um, and I think Sudbury really gave me the tools to be independent and carve my own path in the world and not be afraid to do that. What kind of person do you think you'd be if you didn't have Sudbury? What, where would you be right now? I mean, I know it's hard to say, but I'd probably, I'd probably be going to college right now and not really having any clue what I wanted to do. You know, just going there to try and figure out what I want to do. Um, so you'd be paying like I mean, I make it, I make it, dollars to figure I out made, what you want to do. Yeah, I made, I made a joke. I'm the first in my family to not go to college. <laughs> all my cousins went to college. All my parents went to college. I think most of my aunts. All your parents, really? All your parents oh, did? Both, both of my parents. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a true statement, Neil. All it is a true statement. All my parents did go to school. Um, but yeah, honestly, that's probably where I'd be right now is sitting in my room doing online school and do you do are you happy you're not doing that (laughs) definitely (laughs) it feels like it would suck to be going to college right now do you think do you why why do you are you why do you not want to go to college not right now but in general um you know i just didn't have any there was nothing none of my passions drove me to wanting to go to college at least right now again i'm definitely not closed off to the idea of going to college. I mean, I really do love learning and I think that I would have the capabilities to, you know, thrive in a college like um, scenario, but you just don't see you. You're just currently not interested in anything that requires college. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. But if there was something that came up where I was really passionate about it, absolutely. I'd go to college. And I guess referring to the commune, you, uh, and referring to the commune, I guess you could say, you could say that, um, uh, like talking about the commune, you could say that there's no, <clears throat> like there's no. Was that was where was that? A honk outside of my. A lot of people been walking with lawn chairs in front of my house, and that's never happened ever. There's nothing. What? So I don't know if people. All my neighbors have been walking by with lawn chairs. So cloudy today. Anyways, it's terrible. Anyways, moving on. Um, what did I say? Um, you were just talking about what I wanted to do after Sudbury and, uh, yeah. oh, oh, I guess I can, I guess the commune doesn't require college. So why would you go? Yeah, exactly. But if there was something where I'd want to go to college, then yeah, I'd absolutely go. Cool. So, uh, so I guess, uh, so I guess, is there, do you, is there, um, 
let's say, uh, so do you mind if we, does, I don't know if there's anything we want to talk about specifically with you if we want to move on to, to broader think, Sudbury. Yeah, I'm, uh, no, there's nothing really about Sudbury. I, yeah, I've talked about everything I wanted to talk about. Okay, so do you want to move on to maybe for, uh, for a little bit before we uh, end this to uh, broader what Sudbury is? Okay, sure. Okay, so um, you were talking earlier about the democratic aspect of Sudbury. What is that? You know, so in, in Sudbury, the way it works is um, there's there's basically two branches, like in a in a American style, like if you could compare it to an American style uh, government system, where at Sudbury we have two branches, with one being our judicial um, our judicial branch, uh, and that's called JC. That stands for the Judicial Committee. And that's where, you know, whenever somebody breaks one of our rules that the school agreed upon, um, it somebody can write them up or basically have a complaint and it goes to JC and a panel of three students and staff members come together and discuss, do they think they were guilty? I mean, most of the time they get a confession just instantly. Do they think they were guilty? And what do you think the, where you should go from there? Should it just be a discussion between the two people? Should there be some kind of punitive action or should be more communicative? Um, and then the other branch is kind of a mix between the executive um, and, you know, like con- kind of congressional branches um, of Sudbury where it's called school meeting and school meeting is school meeting is literally and legally the um, who, who's in charge of our school of, of a Sudbury school. And they make all the rules for the school. They pass all the laws. The whole budget is, is passed by school meeting. And so everything has to be agreed upon by school meeting. And school meeting is just the collective, basically. Um, everybody has an equal vote in school meeting. Um, and everything has to pass by majority in school meeting. But in JC, it has to be unanimous. So... Uh... So JC seems like more like just for resolving disputes in the school and school meeting is so school meeting is the, is like the main, uh, the main, the primary organ. So what rules? So are there, so you, like you said, there are no rules for what a student has to do. No. Well, what do you, what do you say that again? There are no rules for what a student has to do in a day. No. The only things that students have to do is show up for announcements at school meeting because sometimes there's announcements that, you know, maybe, more broad for everybody that they have to hear Uh, maybe like new rules that are pretty important or something like that or maybe planning a field trip that people want the whole school to hear about but school meeting isn't mandatory in of itself Um, and then if you're written up for jc or on jc that's also mandatory you have to go to that and then at 210 every day uh, students have to go everybody has a cleanup job and they have to do their cleanup job Mm mm-hmm and those are the only mandatory things in a day. So well, I know I asked you what, what you would do in a day and what you learned. What do you think other students, what, what do other students do? Uh, I'm sure it's different across ages, but what do other students do? What do they learn? Do they, do they learn? Do they, are they, I mean, are they, I mean, I know we, yeah, I, I mean, asked I, you. Yeah, I think, I think it's such a strange thing that definitely in the Western world, there's this separate, like it's a, it's a barrier between play and education like those are two totally different things and that education is a good thing and play is something that's more relaxing 
But for a child, there's nothing more important than playing. I mean, it teaches you how to work together with other people. Um, of course, it's, it's just fun. It's enjoyable to play. You know, it's, it's in our nature to want to play. Um, but it teaches you how to interact with other people, basic social skills, especially as a younger person, um, how to share. Uh, you know, maybe some games are more reading intensive if you're playing something like Dungeons and Dragons, and especially with Dungeons and Dragons, it's more math-based, you know, just basic arithmetic, having to count out the dice, which may seem elementary, and it is, but it's learning. Um, and a lot of kids are elementary uh, age. So. Yeah, a lot of those kids are elementary age. Uh, so I, th- I think it's disingenuous to put a barrier up between education and playing. So you think that, that um, play is you think they can learn more the same that they could learn in a classroom environment? Oh, absolutely. And I've seen it for myself. What do you mean? Well, I've seen children that have learned just from play, you know, how to their writing just improving from play or just being annoyed that they can't do everything that the older students can do. Um, you know, of course, the younger kids will come up to the older students and ask them to read to them all the time. I've seen that all the time. Um, and if I could just say something, so I know, I know I'm taking the role of the interviewer here, but I saw something very interesting this year at Sudbury because I'm, I'm going to Sudbury right now and I'm, I'm just going to, I guess, break the fourth wall, if you will, and just say, there's something that I, uh, what you're saying, there's something that I saw that was very interesting. One of the students, um, you know, last year, they couldn't really write at all. Like it was very, very, very sloppy handwriting, not really spelling anything, which is fine. I, I don't judge at all. But th- this year they came back and their handwriting was almost impeccable. I don't it just they just changed. They just decided, I guess, I guess thing you just decide like that, that, you know, the, the kid decided, you know, I guess uh, they just improved their writing and they just, because they wanted to, because I'm they sure. wanted to. I'm sure it got very annoying not having the ability to write with good handwriting. Yeah. You know, um, so, but I definitely see the younger students are the ones that are outside playing kickball or basketball. Not to say that I didn't play a lot of kickball or basketball, especially with the younger kids. Um, or they'll be outside making up new games or eating lunch together. And of course, you know, they like to play on the computers and play Roblox and Minecraft. Um, but that definitely doesn't take up a majority of their time, or at least a lot of their, their majority of the time, but even playing Roblox, you know, they're still working together. They're talking together. It's kind of like an LAN party where everybody's, even though it's not, you know, they're all together screaming at each other do this do that okay build this go here um so that's just playing but just in a different way um but then i would say maybe the older students are the ones that are going on longer walks more or reading or writing uh you know because that's what just interests them but of course they're playing games i've played a ton of games um as an older student at sudbury Mm mm-hmm so, so do you think, so, I mean, I, I'm trying to guess, I'm trying to go through the, the questions that you answered, the last two questions you answered in the thesis, but for everybody at Sudbury, um, which is, uh, which is the first one, which we you answer what they do, or sorry, what they learn. And what, 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 what avenues exist for a Sudbury child after they're, they've graduated like you? I mean, really anything. I think there was a, there was a book written on the subject and, and a paper written um, by Dr. Peter Gray, just talking about, you know, and Dr. Students, Gina Riley, mm-hmm, yeah. talking about their experiences, 
like Sudbury students' experiences after graduating Sudbury. And I think almost none of them had any difficulties doing anything that they wanted to do that an average public school student would have wanted to do, whether that be to go to college or a job they might have wanted or just an experience that they wanted to explore. Um, so it didn't really, I can't speak for myself. I've only been out of school for a week. <laughs> um, so, but from what I've heard from other Sudbury students, other Sudbury graduates, they had absolutely no difficulties, um, you know, going after any opportunity that they wanted to. Yeah. So, so like, let's talk about really quick, uh, a college. So I think that's something that a lot of parents, I know you, so specifically you don't have to go to, go to, uh, you, you're not, you don't want to go to college. You don't have to go to college, but let's say a child did. Uh, it's going to, is it going to be harder without that high school diploma? Um, I don't not see only that. that without, without learning the things you learned in high school. Well, I guess you addressed that and said you still can. No, I don't see it being um, any more difficult. Uh, but, you know, if I, if I ever did, I know I have the tools to teach myself that. Or if I wanted a specific job that needed a, a college degree, then I would go out and get a college degree. If it really was, if I really was that passionate about it. Mm. And how would, how, would you, how would you go to college? Just like any other student, you know, go to, go to an enrollment place. And, you know, there's, there are special recruiting departments that are just for alternative education. Really? So there are, so there are, so there are, basically what I'm saying, there are ways, there are avenues to get into colleges without. Yeah, absolutely. I think in the study that I referenced before, um, something like 25% of students didn't even end up taking their SATs or having a GED. And of course you can take the SATs. And get By the way, I actually want to do. I think I actually, um, I think uh, when I read that study, I think it actually said that a majority of people didn't even take the SATs. Oh, really? Yeah, but I think it said a majority of people didn't even take the SATs. Yeah, I mean, really, colleges. By the way, this is this is like this is like an this is an interview. This study we're talking about is like an, an interviews that like interviews, uh, grown unschoolers, which is very similar to Sudbury schooling, except it's done at home. It's basically homeschooling without any school work. Uh, and of course, Dylan talked about how the aspect of Sudbury. Uh, the aspect of Sudbury is a lot more communal and a lot more, I think that's the difference between really unschooling and Sudbury schooling is the communal aspect as well as of course the student governance. Mm -hmm. But the way the learning is done is pretty much the same. Yes. Yes. Um, so that's really, uh, I, I don't think that there's, that there's any real problem getting to college or chasing anything. I don't think Sudbury has or will inhibit me from doing anything that I want to do. Yep. All right. Great. So, um, so yeah, I think that, uh, so that is a, that is a, so you graduated from a school with no grades. So, and you said they're all ages, all ages. So what ages can you go there really quick? From potty trained, but we normally say four to 19. But it basically just means as long as you're potty trained. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Thank you. Thank you everybody for watching this episode of youth on subjects of the world and we yeah, will see we're very, we're very excited for this new season i think yes. it'll be really cool and we hope that it can be influential on on a few yeah. people uh, maybe i don't know we'll talk about next time we'll talk about education again or we'll talk about what's going on in the world but that kind of seems like too easy of a topic to talk about mm -hmm. anyways all right thank you very much you. and goodbye